The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon. What's going on, everybody? Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on a Friday. We made it to the weekend. Congratulations. And Ajay is in his last day of isolation. Today is a glorious day. <laughs> There's a silver lining in the dark clouds. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be done with this. This has been... This has been brutal, and I mean, granted, there's there's a lot of more people going through a lot more worse than than me just sitting inside of a home. So um, I feel for them, you know. But this is like for a guy, I can love to be active. I love to be out and about and socializing. That's just how I am. That's who I am. And for that not to be happening for 14 days, or I don't even know what day it is today, Friday. Uh, it's just brutal just absolutely brutal so yeah i i've never been more excited to come back to the studio on monday eric <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man hey and you know what though it's the last week of by what, the way what's that? it is the last week of not having utah state football for the next at least seven weeks so or eight weeks i should say so Ooh, that's, that's true. pretty cool we, we we get ready for utah state boise state next week broncos aggies uh, five o'clock start on Fox, which is really nice to have an early game. Uh, I guess semi-early, but uh, yeah, that'll be really nice. And uh, we'll we'll get into the Boise State prep and and all that. I know that's something that you're really good at, Eric, and you kind of taught me how to be good at that as well as prepping for an opponent. And boy, there's going to be a lot to cover on this Broncos team. They are loaded again. Well, they certainly look to be, and they should be the odds-on favorites to win the Mountain West based on who they have coming back, what their situation is. Um, Speaking of the Mountain West, it may be hard for New Mexico to get the season started. Oh my gosh! And dude, I'm almost to the point where where they won't even have a season. I mean, the fact that they just shut down—we are one week away, Eric, from from starting college football here in the Mountain West Conference, and they've shut down. Um, yeah, you, you tweeted this good. out earlier today. So, what, what's the situation in Albuquerque? Yeah, so right now, just with everything going on, in fact, here, uh, there is a new state record in New Mexico on cases from Thursday. Do you want to guess what the number is, Eric? New cases since Thursday? Uh, let see. New state record of cases from the state from Thursday. Well, let's see. In Utah, we've been hovering right around that fourteen to 1,500 mark. Okay. Um, so I'd say... 2,000. Okay. Well, we're going to say 672 cases, but there is a, uh, oh. a young a young teenage girl who has uh, passed away with no underlying condition. Oh, looks like we may have lost Ajay there, just as he started getting into his story. Uh, but the, the story is that uh, in, in, uh, in Albuquerque, Specifically, there's been a, a real rise in cases, and uh, that's caused their football program to shut down uh, and to uh, put things on pause for right now. So um, definitely a different situation going on. And we did some over-unders and what we thought how many games would be played for Utah State. Um, there may be an interesting 
one to look at this per school in the Mountain West. Uh, it's certainly with uh, we knew that there were bad situations in Fresno, San Diego, San Jose, and Albuquerque, um, and uh, that could make it difficult for football to get off the ground or to even continue and, and finish. But um, there are players and other staff members within the New Mexico uh, coaching uh, program who have tested positive. Eight football players, one assistant coach on Wednesday tested positive. So that caused athletic director to step in and, and pause the whole thing for them. So it's uh, – it, when, when you we've, we've seen this with, with Ajay in his own situation, personal situation. I've seen this within my own home with a teenager that's been sent home that you didn't get it, but if you came close to somebody who had it, you know the people who are test positive have to isolate for good reason. But anybody who may have come in contact with those positive people, they also have to be isolated. And that's part of the contact tracing to, to stop the spread, to slow it from continuing to get out there. And as you can imagine, if it gets into a football program, and we've seen this with the Tennessee Titans, we're, we've seen it with the New England Patriots, we're seeing this with other college football programs and even high school football programs. If you can't put together a, 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 a two deep uh, for your team, you're not going to play. And so if, it, if that virus gets into a specific uh, core group of, of players or, or positions, you can't even, you can't even play. So uh, right now, as it stands, eight University of New Mexico football players, one assistant coach have, uh, have tested positive. Um, a record-setting case numbers and hospitalizations in New Mexico going on right now. Um, state officials um, have stepped in. They've brought a shutdown to all team activities, not necessarily to the team's positive tests, but based on the overall rise in cases in uh, what is uh, Bern- uh, Bernalillo uh, County. Um, and so that's where uh, things are being, that's where things are in, uh, in Albuquerque. But um, on Thursday, 672 new cases in the state. 100 more than the previous record set a day ago. Certainly that seems to pale in comparison to what's going on in, in Utah, where it's like twice that number. Um, but uh, there is a high positivity rate and uh, uh, a lot of cases per 100,000. So the state of New Mexico is trying to roll things back, slow things down after they've seen some spread. And uh, it's it's in their, their football, pro, uh, football team and in their football program. So uh, they are scheduled to play on Saturday, but uh, according to New Mexico's athletic director, um, he says he wouldn't wouldn't say if he thinks the forced shutdown will put the season uh, opener in jeopardy, but if the team doesn't practice for the next week, they can't safely play on October 24th. And these are details from the Albuquerque uh, Journal, uh, Jeff Grammer, uh, reporting on some of these cases and uh, what it means for their for their team, but uh, contact tracing efforts, hoping that they they can figure out where the positive cases originated from, so they can get that uh, nipped in the bud. But bottom line, New Mexico's having a hard time getting things going before things really get going. Aj, so it's a it's a dicey situation in in uh, Albuquerque, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see situations like this unfold 
at other Mountain West institutions, specifically those in California where rates are really high. You're 100% right, Eric. This is really scary. Uh, the fact that we hadn't even started the season, we've already got the situation. And, and forgive me, I've, I've missed a chunk of what you've said, and I apologize So if, if I repeat you um, in any way. But uh, the fact that the New Mexico Lobos, if they don't play in a week, right? Because, I mean, they're not practicing right now. They have a game in, in, in a, what, eight days? And if they don't play next week, I believe they're following game, Eric. If I'm not mistaken, I'll have to look at the schedule for sure. But if they don't play next week, I think their following game is a Thursday game. So if they don't get a chance to practice and then turn around and play on a short week, that's just not going to happen. Then what do you do? Um, and and looking at a lot of the you know uh, conversations from Mount West beat writers and and football writers and whatever, they're all in the kind of the same situation. They're like, so why are we playing again if this is what it's going to be? Um, not not good, not good. Yeah, it, it's not. And uh, it just reemphasizes the importance for everybody to continue to do the necessary things to slow the spread of this. Uh, wear your masks when you're in public. Wash your hands regularly. Cough into your, into your, uh, into your elbow <laughs> Or, you know, uh, just step away. If you're not feeling good, don't go out in public. It may not be corona, but uh, it, it may still be something that could spread disease. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is really unfortunate for New Mexico. This, is a, this has been a program that's been struggling with, um, you know, different protocols for months now. They've been in a much stricter uh, situation than, than they have here in Utah and allowing their students to be on campus or allowing their football players to even work out and practice. So then to get this news just makes it all the more frustrating for those that follow the Lobos. Yeah, and again, I'll have to look up their uh, their Mountain West uh, conference schedule uh, to see what it looks like. But that, And as we've talked about, Eric, we've been talking about this from the get-go, but for the Lobos, that also means that there's cancellations for other teams as well. So they would lose if they don't play next Saturday, lose Colorado State. And then the following week is actually, it's a Saturday. Uh, they play San Jose State on the road at San Jose State. But if they're having issues in New Mexico, I don't see them in any way um, uh, make letting them travel to San Jose State, California especially. Uh, and then Eric, ironically enough, on November 7th, they, uh, they're at Hawaii. <laughs> um, so things are going to get very, very interesting here in the next. Uh, in the next, it will be probably pretty telling after week two uh, of where we stand with with some of these teams in Mount West Conference football. And as you mentioned, Commissioner Thompson said uh, in his uh, state of the address for Mount West Conference football as we were kind of getting it to return to play that uh, that he'd be surprised and he expects that some teams just don't don't get every single game in. He doesn't see that happening. That that teams get every single game in. So that uh, he must have knew something before. That's for sure. Well, yeah. What 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 did we say? We were setting our over unders on how many games Utah State. Would yeah, play. yeah. Good point. So, uh, by the way, San Jose State. You know, we know we know that there have been issues in their county with uh, transmission rates and um, certain restrictions placed on by their government about gatherings. So what they did is. They took their fall training camp out of the county. Like they left, and they've just recently returned. So 
they were in uh, up in Humboldt County for about two weeks. Uh, as they are, were preparing themselves, they're going to open up their season against uh, Air Force. Um, so it, they had to they've had to physically move <laughs> a 320 miles to the north because of certain restrictions that existed in their county. Uh, those restrictions just changed this week, so that allowed them to finally come back. Um, they they got back into their home uh, confines Wednesday night, took the day off Thursday, and so today they're back at practice. And <laughs> so it, it's just it's such a weird, weird time throughout the Mountain West. Yeah, and again, I just... And I'm with you. Like you said, the point of the conversation that we we didn't we said an over under and it wasn't very high, um, and how it affects teams because again, there's no leeway, there's no room for error for any team to have a game canceled, and it could affect their winning percentage, honestly. Because if some team plays, you know, if some team gets seven games in, and then and another team gets five games in, but they go three and two or whatever it is, um, God, it's it's a very very. Uh, Eggshell, walking on eggshell kind of a situation with the uh, coronavirus and playing football. Boy, it's, I get it. I mean, everyone wants to play. I, I, I absolutely understand, but man, I just, I don't know if it's, uh, if it's going to be even ad, remotely productive the way this thing's going. Uh, yeah. So as of right now, it seems like everything is still a go for USU. Um, I, I mean, there have been issue issues, as we said, in uh, in New Mexico. San Jose is is just coming back uh, to their campus after relocating. Um, uh, it looks like everybody else is still moving forward. There were some issues at, at Hawaii for a little bit, so uh, yeah, it's a weird situation. Uh, Utah State, it, it's part of the. Even though we've heard these announcements, we saw the TV schedule. Uh, you know, the Mountain West made their announcements about an eight-week conference-only schedule. Uh, it's been out for a, a month now. For some reason, it never really sunk in for me until I got the emails today about coach media availability. Because part of this whole thing is that it just seems like it's still surreal and is not really happening yet is I haven't been able to attend a practice. I have not been able to go and, and stick a microphone in the face of a coach or a player through this whole thing. So it just feels like it's it's kind of going on, but it's somewhere else, and it's not real. <laughs> but then I got the emails today about coach availabilities next week to prepare for the, the Saturday game, and it just kind of struck me like, oh, it's it's happening. It is happening. Uh, it just it feels so weird, AJ. Maybe it's just me. No, it's yeah. You're right. When we got the release from Doug Hoffman, uh, the media relations director for Utah State, he, you know, all post game press conferences will be conducted <laughs> via a Zoom call, and you'll need to let Doug know before uh, hand that you want to be a part of that Zoom call of the post game um, to to have uh, a, a chance to, be able to ask coach a question after the game. That's dude. That is where we are at in 2020. In fact, I've been told that inside of our press box, we'll have a shield. You know, to, to separate people six feet socially distanced. Um, that, uh, you know, they, cause usually every, you know, every press box will do a buffet. Instead, it's gonna be like a box lunch with a bottle of water that you have to actually go. So when you get to Boise State, you have to test, 
um, either the day before or the day of, but it takes three hours to, uh, for some of them to get the results back. So you need to get there early, then test, wait till your test is positive, and then you can go inside the press box. Wow. That sounds fun. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be a blast. But, uh, again, that's just the way it is, and I'm happy to have football back. I am, but uh, this is going to be a lot different than we've, we've ever done. <sighs> it's so weird. Uh, there are interesting college football games that are going on, uh, actually a few today. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of Friday night games here in college football, and in a very busy day tomorrow, we're going to have a, one of the biggest showdowns, well, the biggest showdown uh, in college football. Um, and it's Alabama versus uh, uh, Georgia. We'll have that here on the fan Saturday night. But uh, there are a couple games going on. Well, one game's already underway. Uh, Tulane with the early lead over SMU early. They must have had a kickoff return for a touchdown. I don't know what happened, but it's only 10.55 in the first, and Tulane's already on the board, 7 nothing. Uh, and then later on tonight, uh, at uh, about 7.30, it'll be BYU at Houston on ESPN. Uh, and the BYU Cougars favored by 3.5 in this one, even though Houston uh, just won game under their belt. BYU has played a lot of soft competition. A lot of people looking at this game as the, the real first – true barometer about where this BYU football team is and how good they are. <laughs> oh, Eric. They are the, uh, look, they're going to be in the college football playoff. <laughs> you know how good they are. <laughs> with uh, with Zach Heisman Wilson. Uh, how come you can't buy into Zach being a Heisman guy? It's hard for me to say he's a Heisman guy when he's played against some really bad teams. Really? Okay, so you say really bad teams. He hasn't played against a good How many ranked teams have lost already to unranked teams? Okay, fair enough. There's been a few. It's it's a weird year in that sense. Okay, so now it's a weird year? Well, he hasn't (laughs) faced a good defense. (laughs) Dude, it doesn't matter if he's faced a good defense or not. The fact that there's other teams that are ranked and face not good defenses and have still lost. Zach Will or yeah, Zach Wilson's faced bad defenses, and he's done exactly what good teams are supposed to do: blow them out. Now, except for the uh, with the exception of UTSA, and you know tonight's game against Houston is going to be interesting because Houston has 17 players out tonight. 17 are out tonight, so I don't know how competitive Houston's going to be. Um, I don't know what, how many starters are out defensively, how many starters are out offensively. Uh, not sure exactly what the what they're going to be dealing with in that situation, um, but this was supposed to be to date um, BYU's toughest test, and it depends on what, like I said, what seventeen guys are out. But that may change now. But he's still a dang good quarterback, and he's still taking care of business on the field. Give credit where credit's due here. I didn't call him a bad quarterback. I just haven't gotten into bought into the whole hype train where he should be number one on our Heisman Trophy watch lists. Number two. We'll say number two. Okay. There's a certain guy at Clemson doing a pretty good job. That I said number to two. be on the top of everybody's minds. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that game is 730 tonight on ESPN. But as you said, Houston will be without some of their, their players. Um, and there are a couple of interesting games to, uh, to note in college football this weekend. Um, one certainly is that's getting a lot of the national attention, and that's Georgia and Alabama. Um, the the interestingly enough, 
the the line there in that game was was really close. It was like three, I believe, earlier. Um, it's now up to five. It has moved because of the news that that Nick Saban could potentially be on the sidelines after getting some negative coronavirus tests. Okay, will you explain to me how that works and how he's able to come back onto the field on Saturday? I don't know how it works. I, I don't know how that's possible that it, that would be allowed. Uh, maybe <laughs> he could be allowed in the in the uh, facility, maybe in an isolated box up in the press area, in the press box, in the coaches area. Um, but down on the sidelines amongst players and other coaches, I don't know how that's possible. So he's actually allowed to be back on the sideline. According to Alex Scarborough of ESPN, Eric, um, Saban was evaluated by a team physician, Dr. Robinson, on Friday. He's remained asymptomatic. He doesn't. Have, he has not had a fever yet. Uh, and should Saban test negative two more times, each 24 hours apart, he would be considered a false positive. Uh, per SEC protocol, and would be allowed to return to full activity with the football team. Now, he'll be continued to be tested daily, according to the statement from Alabama. Um, and so, again, he could test negative on Friday, negative on Saturday. And uh, and if he does so, he's allowed to return back to the sideline by Saturday night for George's game. Here's Tom Rinaldi reporting on Saban's status for Saturday. He's been described as asymptomatic by the program. Here's why that's notable, Randy, Mm. because if Saban were able to have three consecutive negative PCR tests, then per NCAA regulations and the SEC, he would be able to be with the team come game time Saturday. Now, don't expect Alabama to give you the results of those tests per its policy. It doesn't do that. But if you were able to get three consecutive negatives, that would allow him to be with the team Saturday. So the question in my mind is, when do these tests take place? Yeah, that's a good question. Does he take a test tonight? Does he take a test tomorrow morning and then take another test tomorrow afternoon before kickoff and say, "Ah, here we go? Or does it certain to be, need to be a certain uh, amount of time between each test? Yeah, I, I again, there's a 24-hour rule, but I, I don't know when he took the test today. Obviously, it would have to have been what time's that game tomorrow, Eric? Georgia is that six? Uh, it is at six o'clock our time. Mountain time, on okay. CBS, so it'll be uh, eight o'clock Eastern. So honestly, he if he takes a test at two o'clock today. Test negative. Takes a test at two o'clock tomorrow. Test negative. He's he's good. He can go coach on the sideline. How much of a difference does that make? A huge. It's huge. Like I and I, and it's this this isn't a dig against the rest of the coaching staff for Alabama, but unless Lane Kiffin was there, and that, and that's not a joke. Unless Lane Kiffin was there, you know Brian uh, Brian Dalbo uh, is the. Um, He's a former tight ends coach at New England. Now it's the offensive coordinator for Alabama. But you can't expect him to be the head coach against Georgia Bulldogs in a three-versus-two game with most likely SEC championship and maybe college football playoff implications riding on the line. Uh, if it was Lane Kiffin, I would actually be okay with Lane Kiffin being the uh, fill-in head coach. But I thought it was not... Steve, Steve Sarkeesian. He's the offensive coordinator. So then what's, Dal- what's Dalbo then? Is it Steve? Wait, is it really? Is it Steve? Is it? Yeah, Steve Sarkeesian is the OC for Alabama. So then, what's uh, what's uh, that Dalbo guy doing then? 
Um, he was the former tight ends coach in New England. I know he's in, I'm pretty sure he's in Alabama. I don't, maybe he's a receiver's coach or quarterback's coach. Okay, never mind. I take that back. Okay, well, if it's Steve starts Keegan, I'm still not trusting him, though. <laughs> With all due respect to Steve. But, I mean, look, Nick Saban has played Georgia. He knows Kirby Smart like the back of his hand. Those guys have coached together before. Uh, I believe Kirby Smart was the D.C. Is that correct, Eric? He was the D.C. while he was at Alabama. Previously, um, yeah. And so they know each other extremely well. Uh, if, yeah, if, Al- if, and if Nick Saban's on the sideline tomorrow, Alabama's winning that ball game. If he wasn't on the sideline tomorrow, I even in the press box, I man, I still think Georgia would beat him. But it, this helps if that's the case. Yeah, Pete Golding is a defensive coordinator for Alabama. Steve okay. Sarkeesian is the offensive coordinator. Okay. Jeff Banks is special teams coordinator and tight ends. Kyle Flood, offensive line. Charles Charles Huff is the associate head coach and running backs. Charles Kelly, Carl Scott, Sal Sonseri. Holman Wiggins and Freddie Roach. That's your, Dude, that's the uh, Alabama. I must be thinking. I thought he, the guy, went to Alabama. He must have went somewhere else. I have to do some research. That's my bad. Hey, nine eight three five text in and says Saban had a second negative test today. Number three would be tomorrow morning. So in that case, if he tests good tomorrow morning, which is smart, then he's he's on the sideline tomorrow, which I would imagine he is. I would imagine he would be at this point. So, uh, dude, I. <laughs> I don't mean to be this guy, but I'm going to be this guy, Eric. How is it? So should I have got tested two days in a row, 24 hours apart, and I would have been golden? What I don't understand, right, is why you had to be, and my son has had to be, in 14 days of isolation. But if somebody gets it, they're back out in 10 days. But yeah, why don't after 10 days, uh, you, you get it, or seven days, you get a test. I get it. There's a period of incubation that you could get a false negative, uh, and it, it it won't it may not show up. And giving a negative test gives you that false sense that okay, I'm good. I'm going to go out and do whatever. Or you could still be a carrier. But no, that's a that that's a great great. But great at the same point. time, you, you, really tough necessary steps have to be taken to to uh, slow and even stop the spread of this disease. No, it's a good point. A five three three eight text in. He's been good. He's had some gold texts lately. He says if Nick Saban has to take a COVID nineteen test to be on the sideline, <laughs> then Coach Steve Sarkeesian should have to take a drunk test to be on the sideline. Oh, <laughs> dude, he's been on fire lately. Five three three eight has. I like it. I still, I still. My favorite one is. Uh, I'd like to thank Kyle Whittingham and Utah Football Program for serving as the Aggies farm system. Yeah. <laughs> That's still my favorite one. Uh, here's, uh, here's one more thing about this, and we'll move on. This is Heather Dinich reporting about the testing timeline for Alabama. If he got a second test on Wednesday to confirm that original test, what was the result of that? So if there was a second test Wednesday, a test Thursday, and then a test Friday, what were the re- what were the results of that? So I don't I don't know. So I'm going to assume that he is positive and asymptomatic, but who knows? Because Alabama <laughs> doesn't say anything. But of course they'll let everyone know if he's coming back on Saturday. 
Alabama has not been very forthcoming in letting the media or the public know the scope of Nick Saban's positive test as far as contact tracing goes throughout the team. And that is consistent with how Alabama has handled its test results during the coronavirus pandemic. It has not made those test results public. And the, the reason for that, I am told, is because of concerns for student health privacy issues, which is fair. But at the same time, there are emails from other schools like Florida and Clemson and Penn State who do release those numbers by team. It's a wild west out there, AJ, with how people <laughs> handle information surrounding coronavirus. <laughs> oh, that's that's a great way to put it. It is the wild west, and again, it's you know um, for for these colleges to be able to have that immediate result and just you know the protocols and such set in place, be able to get results and hopefully have a coach in by a certain amount of time is uh, is is great so they can go back and coach. I think like I said, Nick Saban is a is a big part of why Alabama is one of the best teams, excuse me, uh, I guess one of the best teams in since two thousand ten. Um, I guess so that past decade they were the best team um, and still one of the better teams today. So yeah. Big, big, big for him and big for Alabama if he's able to be on the sideline tomorrow, which I would expect he would be. All right, we're going to call a timeout here on the Full Court Press. When we come back, uh, let's stay on this topic of uh, of college football and let's get into our Friday Five Best. What are the five best coaching positions or coaching situations, I should say? What are the five best coaching situations in college football? Sometimes it's a great fan base. Sometimes it could be uh, you know the great salary or other perks. Maybe it's a a string of success that you walk into when you arrive there. So what are the five best coaching situations right now in college football? It's part of our Friday Five Best. We'll also take a look at what's on tap this weekend for the NFL weekend, update you on what happened with Major League Baseball last night, what's on the tap uh, today. Um, pretty interesting to see where these series are, and some of these teams have chances to wrap it up. Others still trying to survive and extend the series. We'll update you on the status of those both coming up on the Full Court Press. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems. By partnering with us, you not only support our team, you also support your community, neighbors, and friends. With each qualifying RICO or Kyocera copier purchase through the end of 2020, we will donate $250 in your name to a local charity like Cash Humane Society, Sunshine Terrace Foundation, CAPSA, Cash Food Pantry, or any other local charity of your choice. Visit valleyofficesystems.com, a local team supporting local customers while providing a simple service experience. Valley Office Systems. It's cold outside, but you can keep warm inside with a quality-built, super-efficient York furnace. Count on a furnace from York because it's backed by the strongest warranties available. It's just another way we install confidence. Call Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning, your local York dealer, at 752-7272. Online at advancedheating-ac.com. York, install confidence. We're not comfortable until you are Advanced Heating and Air. The Riverwoods Conference Center is accepting reservations for holiday parties and events, inviting you to experience an elegant holiday atmosphere with the Riverwoods Conference Center's beautiful new renovation and holiday decor. And with catering from Elements, your special occasion can include delicious entrees and decadent desserts that always deliver excellence. This year, the Spring Hill Suites is offering a low $79 rate when you schedule a holiday party at the Riverwoods so you can take the elevator home after your event. To schedule, call 750-5151 or Google Riverwoods Conference Center. 
Doctors Benyon Blotter and Robinette of Cache Valley Ear, Nose and Throat are excited to welcome you to both office locations, the Cache Valley Hospital and 169 North Gateway in Providence, right next to the Bank of Utah. Social distancing and all safety guidelines are in place. The new Providence office location will also be accepting patients for the Allergy Clinic and Hearing Aid Center. Please call 753-7880 for telehealth conference calls. Most insurance products, including SelectMed, are accepted. Go to CacheValleyENT.com for details. That's CacheValleyENT. This is Ryan at My Mattress. I had a friend text me the other day saying how happy he is that he bought a new mattress last month. He, like the rest of us, are spending a lot more time at home. You may even be listening to this radio ad on your mattress at home, even if it is 2 o'clock in the afternoon. No judgment here. We're practicing all safe guidelines and we're open all day, every day but Sunday. The deals have never been better. More than ever, isn't it time to sleep exceptionally? Only at my mattress by the South Walmart. Saturday on Compass Media Network's coverage of NCAA football. It's a primetime battle in the SEC as the second-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide hosts the third-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Hi, this is TJ Reef. Join Tiki, Barber, and me for all the action as these two heavyweights clash under the lights at Bryant-Denny Stadium. It's Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide, Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. If it's college football, it's right here. Saturday beginning at 5.30 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 13. AM, the fan. The full court press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. College football season is underway. Some schools, some conferences haven't started yet. We're still a few weeks away from the Pac-12 getting underway. Mountain West next week for them. But uh, we recently saw this, and we talked about this the other day. We we saw this listing from USA Today. They they went through, and kudos for all the research that they do every year on this. And it's it's gotten even more detailed and more interesting. But the... They put together all of the coaches' salaries and rank them. Granted, some of them are not available because they are private institutions and they don't have to release those details. Uh, a, a good you know, 10 of them or so don't release that information. But by and large, you know, 100, over 100, 120-ish schools release the details about their coaches' salaries. And it got us to thinking – you know, what are the best coaching situations? Now, there may be some coaches that earn more than others, but sometimes there are more stresses, uh, more expectations that come with, with some coaching situations. Others have broad recruiting bases. They have broad national fan bases, and uh, sometimes in the national discussion. Some regularly in the national discussion. So I think there's a lot of different criteria you can look at when trying to figure out what are the best coaching situations in college football. And granted, we'd always love to get your thoughts on this. Love to have you weigh in on it. 435-339-0321. By the way, before we get into that, 9835 did text in, uh, where are you out in a hurry to get AJ back because he has never won a national championship, LOL. (laughs) 
brutal. What did I do? <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, let's get into this. So we're talking about college situation, college football, uh, this last segment. So let's talk about the uh, the, the coaching situations. Uh, the 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 coaches who are in the best situations. And like I said, various different criteria that may be a part of that. So let's start with number five and we'll work our way up. Um, okay. Uh, Ajay, I'll start off first. Uh, I think number five on my list is Dan Mullen with Florida. Uh, the reason I, I put him at number five, I, I get it. Florida has kind of had some shaky situations lately with where they are on the national stage, but that is a rich recruiting area. It's a national program that has that has been at the highest levels of college football, and it's a it's a uh, it's an easy to recruit to university and football program. It's not like you have certain academic standards that may make it a little bit more challenging, like some other schools have it. Uh, and I think there's a a, a really um, Rich uh, the budget that's a, that's at your disposal for your recruiting and to try to put your team together. So, uh, for me, number five on the best coaching situations uh, is the University of Florida. That's a good one. My number five, Eric, is going to be Miami. Uh, the, the The competitiveness of the state of in-state recruiting in Florida has came from three good quality schools to two. And Florida and Miami, they're two battling get out. But really, I think you could just split the state in half and say, hey, look, Florida's going to get these guys, Miami's going to get these guys, and it's still going to work out pretty darn good. You know, it, we're, we're almost, what, two, two, I guess if you want to count last year's team, which we're okay, but we're two decades from the last really, really good Miami team, like national champion contender football team. And in a place like Florida, when it, you can just do all your recruiting in state and still get – quote-unquote, five-star kids, Miami is wonderful. And the facilities are great. The money is there. The donors are there. The, it's it's all written in stone for you to be a national champion program. And then you have alumni, right, like Michael Irvin, Ed Reed, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, you have all these high, high names who want to see Miami become this um, this uh, phenom of a college football team in college football world. And if you do – they come calling back to you, and they want to be a part of the program again. They're not embarrassed by that. And, boy, if you can get that kind of prestige back to the university, to the U, then, my goodness, this team could explode in recruiting like no other. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. Uh, number four on my list is Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley is in a really oh. good situation in the Big 12. Uh, Oklahoma has been to the college football playoff multiple times. Uh, they've been in the, the college football championship game multiple times. They consistently produce Heisman Trophy winners. Uh, that that is, uh, uh, and it's also a program that has won national championships historically and has had a lot of success. So he walked into a situation that was already uh, thriving and already successful. He came in as a young coach, put his own stamp on it, has developed now multiple Heisman Trophy winners, has become the destination for uh, grad transfer quarterbacks who want to uh, go out in their final year with a bang, and he makes it happen for them. Uh, just that Oklahoma program, a big-time success and has been for a really long time. Lincoln Riley sitting in a really, really nice situation. 
No, that's a great one. That's a that's a good. I mean, when you said Oklahoma, I thought, no way, I would never touch that. But no, you bring up a great point. My number four, Eric, is going to be Notre Dame. There's three unique opportunities for Notre Dame that no almost almost no other school has in the country. I think uh, BYU might be able to compare to this, not as close, or a very distant second. Very distant a, second. <laughs> they have a national following. They have their own television contract, and they have uh, a prestigious history of college football in South Bend, Indiana. That includes eleven national championships. Now, before 1998, they were regularly in that running for a national championship. Then came 1998, and then from there to 2011. They went, what, uh, I think six non-winning seasons, Eric, of, of mediocre or poor football. Um, they don't have the home state recruiting territory of other national powers. But when you say, when you go into a kid's home and you say Notre Dame, their eyes light up, right? I mean, it is, it's, it's, the, it's the fight song, it's the gold helmets, it's the field with stripes. Rudy! Um, Dude, it's it's Rudy. Yeah, honestly, that that draws that draws um, a smile from a lot of kids' faces. But then now, I think Brian Kelly's got that team back to where it was or where it should be. Uh, it took him a lot longer than he than it, I think many expected it would when he came from Cincinnati. Because they thought he was going to win immediately, he didn't. It took time. But uh, you know, I they've been competitive and uh, they're back to that prestige once again and if they can take care of business with this schedule that is a little bit more unique than it has been before um this Notre Dame team could easily be in the playoff conversation by the end of the season Mm, that's good I like that one for me on number three on my list uh going to the horseshoe this is a huge Ah, huge stadium Ohio State is a national program they've had national championships uh, historically, they had a, a kind of a down period. Urban Meyer came there, resurrected their program, and uh, Ryan Day is a disciple of uh, of Urban Meyer and has just picked up where he left off, continuing to pr- to uh, produce great football teams, great football talent. And you talked about alumni at, at the highest level that have come out of the school. Ohio State has produced some of the best at multiple positions. Uh, very influential People are, uh, want to see Ohio State succeed. And uh, for me, what, when I consider all the intangibles, uh, what they're able to do on a national stage, on a national recruiting budget, uh, and uh, who they uh, attract to come to that place, uh, that is number three on my list. Probably one of the reasons why it may not be a little bit higher is there, there does come a little bit more expectation and pressure to win at Ohio State. Um, but uh, still, that's that's number three on my list in the best coaching situations in college football. Speaking of pressure, prestige, and tradition, how about Michigan University? No school in the country has as much tradition as Michigan or University of Michigan, I should say. Um, I mean, and the greatness that they've had in regards to players, from Charles Woodson, uh, who won the Heisman Trophy, to uh, Tom Brady, who uh, ended up leading his team to a Orange Bowl win versus Alabama, uh, and and guys before that, even the Harbaugh, uh, you know, who, who quarterbacked over there as well. They've had great quarterbacks. They've had great defensive players, um, and it's it's been extremely unfortunate that since 2007, this team really hasn't found their mojo. I mean, in 2006, Eric, remember they were competing um, in a one versus two game at Ohio State. 
Um, and before that, they were playing in the Rose Bowl versus Vince, Vince Young in 2004, uh, and Vince Young and the Texans. Uh, th- this team just needs a different identity. And to be honest, they need a different coach because Harbaugh, who has yet to beat Ohio State during his tenure there, has continually choked in November. Just they got to find someone who's going to compete with that team over to, I can't remember how they used to say it. They used to say it, and I think I'll have to filter it out anyway. But it wasn't very nice words about the team over there who dresses in red and scarlet. And so uh, uh, Michigan needs a new face. They, knew they need a new identity. But, Eric, the recruiting is amazing. In fact, the recruiting trumps all over. They walk all over Michigan State without question. The recruiting is there. The tradition is there. The prestige is there. You want to talk about the gold helmets or you want to talk about the uh, the uh, the at uh, the little Buckeye stickers on the silver helmets of Ohio State. Man, I mean, this we're talking about a tradition unlike any other at the University of Michigan. That's absolutely, without a doubt, my number three. Well, it's a pretty good coaching situation when you can be a, a, a mediocre coach and still earn over still have $8 million dollars <laughs> and be the f- number four paid, highest paid coach <laughs> yeah. in America. That's, absolutely. That's not a bad situation. Uh, number two on my list is Clemson. Uh, Dabo Swinney has come in there and certainly turned some things around on, on Clemson. Not traditionally known as a real powerhouse. Yes, they've had good years in the past, but certainly within the last five years or, or so, that uh, Dabo Swinney has really turned that program around, a national power, perennial uh, champion, or in the running to be the champion. Uh, and uh, I think that he stands for, for a lot of the things. He's, he's had uh, been a high-character guy. He's brought a lot of prestige to the ACC, which uh, has had its moments and had its time in the sun uh, previously for having good football, but then it kind of got faded and kind of lost its luster a little bit. But Clemson has definitely revived that. And uh, by and large, because of Dabo Swinney, but um, you know, multiple national championships or at the national championship game, and he's producing amazing talent on his own. Uh, and uh, he is the, num- the number three paid coach in college football, and has the highest, of uh, close to the highest buyout uh, for his contract at over fifty million dollars to get him out of his contract. Uh, so that's a pretty sweet coaching contract and pretty sweet coaching situation at Clemson. Wow. No, that's a good one. Hey, you want to know something crazy? I don't even have Clemson on my list. Woo-hoo. And I did that on purpose. I just don't think Clemson is that attractive of a job for me. Um, in the ACC, I just I don't I don't see the sexiness to it. And you brought up some great points, though. I mean, the, the contract that Dabla has right now is, is saucy. And that takes care of him, his children, his grandchildren, his great-great-grandchildren, so on and so forth, for years to come. Uh, that's a... Yeah, that's a that's not too bad of a place to start. Eric, number two on my list <laughs> is Boise State. Really? You think about the power for the power five conferences. And think back when two thousand four, two thousand three actually if you want to, to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and yes, even 20. Where Power 5 teams were never scared of G5 teams, except for one, and that was Boise State. Do you remember when, in, I believe it was in 2008, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Boise State was going to play Georgia, and everyone thought that this was going to be a runaway. Well, what do you know? Boise State beats Georgia. Virginia Tech. 
and they beat Virginia Tech. And I believe, that, if I'm not mistaken, that game was on a neutral field because Boise State, I, if, I, if I remember right, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Eric, Boise State had already been to Virginia Tech once. Or no, yeah, I was supposed to go to Virginia Tech, and they did go to Virginia Tech. And then it was supposed to play them at Boise State, but Raw Tech didn't want to do that. So instead they played a neutral side field, and Boise State still beat them. We talk about... Uh, you know, and of course, Alex Smith uh, running Utes uh, in 04 that dominated the every single team on their way to a blistering win in the in the Festival versus Pittsburgh. I still would have take that Boise State team that beat Oklahoma in the Festival over uh, over over that Utah team. This uh, and when everyone said Chris Peterson left and Brian Harson was going to come in, everyone thought this would take a major drop off. It didn't take a major drop off. Was there a minor drop-off? Sure, but not a major one. This team has been one of the most dominant P5, or excuse me, G5 teams, if, excuse me, if not the most dominant G5 team ever. And uh, the expectations in regards of competing with P5 teams isn't very high. Isn't very high. He's just got to take care of business in the Mountain West Conference, which Boise State's done for many, many years. I have Boise State as my number two. Ooh, really interesting, because uh, yeah, they... They have been the model of consistent excellence uh, in the Mountain West and among the group of five. And uh, usually, if you're there, you're on a hot list for any other big uh, Power Five coaching vacancy that pops up. Your name is always going to be talked about. As well, and then the incentives are really saucy, too. I mean, Brian Harson, uh, Harson earned $1.6 million in 18, earned just above that in 2019. And he has all the talent in the world because can, kids continually come. When you, when you go to the state of Idaho and you recruit, those kids, it's, it's either Idaho State, Idaho, or Boise State. Hello. I'm taking Boise State no matter what. And they, they continually go anywhere to recruit, and they continually get the best kids in the Mountain West roster, I mean, the Mountain West Conference. It's just so impressive what they've done year after year after year, and that makes it easy to coach. All right, uh, running out of time here, so we'll get to our number one. For me, it's a no-brainer for me, Nick Saban at Alabama. Such an historic program. Yes, he's the highest-paid coach in all the land. He makes NFL-type money. Uh, but you look at the, his program and the situation they have set up for him. They, their school president says it's the best investment we can make at a, as a university to pay that kind of money to their football coach. Uh, it means a lot to their institution. It means a lot to their community. Always in the national discussion, national recruiting base. Uh, you talk about somebody coming in and just flashing his big championship rings in your face. Hardly anybody can do it quite like uh, Nick Saban can. Uh, and to such a, a national program, Heisman winners of his own. Um, and just look at the, the overall prestige and history of Alabama. And you walk into Alabama, yes, you're expected to win. But you do have the, the, the resources that you need to compete at the highest level in the best conference in America. When Nick Saban retires, he could run for mayor or governor, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side, he'd win in a heartbeat. <laughs> yes. That's how incredible it is. And, Eric, you said yesterday, what was his buyout? Uh, Nick Saban's buyout? Yeah, it was what again? 36.8. That's good enough for me to make him number one. I'm with you. It's his annual salary is just over $9 million. Good gosh. Yeah, I'm, I'm Alabama's my number one. All right, uh, take another time out here in the Full Court Press. We're going to come back some uh, additional thoughts before we get ready for next hour.
Building a signature landscape requires design and expertise. Canyon Landscaping offers both. They've been creating, building, and maintaining landscapes for over 20 years. With a combined 100 years of management experience, their in-house landscape architecture team designs and manages each job with experienced installers who ensure a signature project. Are you ready for the yard you've always wanted? Don't wait. 752-3838 or go to canyonlandscaping.com. Canyon Landscaping. Look for the leaf. Coldwater Stone in Tremont and is under new ownership and is partnered with Castellite in Logan. With over 50 years of combined experience, they'll help you find the most stunning products for your home. Coldwater takes some of the most beautiful resources Earth has to offer, then shapes and blends them to help create your dream home. Natural stone at manufactured stone prices. Stop in at the Tremonton facility or see samples at Castellite and Logan. Let us help you create your custom masterpiece. More information at coldwaterstone.com. Coldwater Stone, the natural choice for all of your stone needs. This is Jarek with Jarek's Fine Jewelry. October is our anniversary month. We've been helping couples find the perfect rings for over a decade. So to celebrate, we want to treat you to an anniversary dinner. Make it a date night on us. Come engagement ring shopping or anniversary shopping at Jarek's Fine Jewelry. We have over 3,000 rings in stock, including the newest custom designs. With no strings attached, no purchase necessary, we will buy your dinner at Sweeto Burrito. The entire month of October, come in ring shopping and Sweeto is on us. Make date night special. Make it Jarek. This is Jay from Daryl's Appliance. Why buy from Daryl's? Lowest price guarantee. With our new digital price tags, which are updated daily, we check the internet to make sure we're the lowest price available. Test us. We dare you. Nobody's prices are lower. Daryl's West on Airport Road. Open until 6 p.m. on weekdays, 5 on Saturday. See Daryl's Appliance in beautiful downtown Benson. Yep, t-shirts are more popular now than ever. Everyone has a favorite t-shirt. The one that has a perfect statement or a one-of-a-kind design. They really do make you look. Great Basin Graphics has the best screen printer in town along with the equipment and knowledge to create custom, retail-quality shirts at great prices. Employees love a good-looking shirt and clients will always wear high-quality t-shirts advertising your product or service. At Great Basin Graphics, they design, screen print, and embroider everything and anything. Google Great Basin Graphics or visit their new location at 966 West 400 North. Great Basin Graphics. We made you look, made you look. It's about trust, service, safety. The things that have always been at the center of everything we do. It's why at Valvoline Instant Oil Change, our certified technicians complete over 270 hours of training. It's why we provide quality service that's rated 4.6 out of 5 stars. And it's why you never have to leave the safety of your car. So when it's time for a change, we'll be right here, just like we've always been. Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Service you can see, experts you can trust. Now open at 695 North Main, Logan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. Always a fun discussion doing these Friday Five Best. These are fun. I enjoy doing these. The, the best coaching situations in college football. By the way, if you have an idea for a Friday Five Best, have us rank five different things. We'd love to get your suggestions on that as well. 435-339-0321. We take suggestions. It doesn't have to be just our ideas. It can be your ideas too. Uh, coming up next hour, we'll get into the NFL schedule, some really juicy matchups, 
and some really important wide receivers coming back that haven't been available for a couple of weeks. What kind of difference could they make for their respective teams? Major League Baseball, games going on. Uh, last night, interesting uh, conclusions, and a walk-off, and uh, we've got uh, some games going on today as well. Could these could some of these series be wrapped up in the same night, or will they be extended? Uh, who have been the heroes so far? We'll debate those coming up next hour. Invite your texts as well, 435-339-0321, to join us on the Full Court Press. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The last time we saw Tom Brady, he was holding up four fingers and trying to lobby the officials for a fifth down. It wasn't a good look, and the Buccaneers suffered a tough loss to the Bears. But overall, Brady's been pretty good in Tampa. The problem is, good doesn't really make a dent when it comes to quarterback play in 2020. Brady's opponent on Sunday, Aaron Rodgers, has thrown 13 touchdowns and no interceptions. And he hasn't had his top receiver for most of the season in Devontae Adams. Rodgers isn't even the MVP frontrunner this season. Russell Wilson's on pace to break the NFL touchdown record, and his Seahawks are undefeated. Of course, all of this could change in a hurry. We're a week-to-week sports nation. The Bucks are at home, and if Brady wins, we'll flip the narrative pretty quickly. One thing is for sure, we'll draw too many conclusions from whatever happens Sunday afternoon in Tampa. When it comes to quarterbacks, especially these two, we just can't help ourselves, can we? I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.